Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 57 of Intuitive Bites. For the show today, I'm chatting with Veronica Garnett, who you may know from Instagram as at Veronica Garnett. And we are talking about um, basically a tweet that Veronica posted back in January of this year, um, which talked about how anti-diet work often only brushes the surface of actually much deeper issues that are going on um, in our culture and that have gone on for a long time. Um, So it's really important as Veronica mentions in this tweet, that we start to peel back these layers um, and understand the roots of diet culture in things like the patriarchy um, and systemic racism. Um, If you're hearing that and you're saying, how do these things all connect? Um, I understand why you feel that way. And that's kind of, kind of goes to show that many of us are kind of still blind to these deeper issues. Um, And that's our privilege showing, right? That we're able to, not be aware of these deeper issues that are going on. Um, so anyway, really interesting content in this episode that I needed to hear, um, and I'm really excited to share with more of you who also may may need to hear it as well. Um, if you want to hear more from Ver- Veronica, you can find her at veronicagarnett.com or on Instagram at veronicagarnett, like I mentioned. Um, and she also mentions a lot of resources in this episode. So if, again, you're kind of you kind of um, are interested in, in what she's talking about and feel a, a pull to learn more, definitely um, go you know, listen to or read the resources that she recommends. Um, also wanted to mention to you guys before I dive into this episode um, that I recently started my Patreon. So I've been doing this podcast for going on two years. It'll be two years in the beginning of June. Um And I've been doing it for free. I absolutely love doing this podcast. I love connecting with all the people that I get to connect with just because of this podcast. It's been amazing. Um, But it's also, you know, obviously takes my time and energy. um, And I put money into it, you know, to pay for the service um, for hosting the podcast. So if you have been listening and are getting something from these episodes, um, I would really appreciate, you know, some kind of contribution. So I have this Patreon set up for $3 a month right now, and I'm going to do additional um, content for people that are subscribed or are Patreon. See, I don't even know the, the language here. Um, but the first one that I'm going to do is an audio recording of how you can start your anti-diet journey. So that will be coming up in the next couple of weeks if you want to get in on that. And then finally, if you're interested in more one-on-one support, I do offer virtual um, counseling sessions. So I help people to you know, heal their relationship to food through the intuitive eating framework. Um, I, we work on body image stuff. We work on joyful movement, gentle nutrition, um, and really just making peace with food. So if this seems like something that would be helpful to you, uh, feel free to reach out. You can either go on my website, the intuitive RD, like registered dietitian, 
intuitiveindustries.com or find me on Instagram at theintuitive underscore RD. And you can just send me a direct message on there and I can guide you to where you need to go. All right, guys, that's all I have for you. Let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Veronica. All right, Veronica, super excited to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. So can you like take a moment to just introduce yourself um, a bit about the work you do? And yeah, just just introduce yourself a bit. Okay, so hey, everyone. (laughs) My name is Veronica Garnett. I am a registered dietitian and I've been in the game, well, officially as an RD for 12 years, but I've been in the food and nutrition field for going on 17 years. Um, for most of my career, I have worked in, out in the community, working in the field of HIV. And underneath that umbrella, you know, I've worked with a lot of people, some of the most marginalized people um, yeah, in the community, people who are struggling with substance abuse issues, mental health issues, and a lot of folks were um, dealing with food insecurity and chronic illnesses in addition to the HIV, like, you know, hypertension and heart disease, hyperlipidemia, um, diabetes, like all of that. So I've, I've done that. I did that for about a decade. And now I'm transitioning into working for myself. I dibble and dabble a little bit working in eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I have a bunch of other like projects and things that uh, I'm also working on related to food and nutrition and well-being and, you know, health at every size. Yeah. That's amazing. You keep it interesting with like having, you know, your hand in a bunch of different pots. <laughs> right. I can't do, I can't like be pigeonholed and like, <laughs> I can't just do the same thing day in, day out. So this works for me. Yeah. That yeah. resonates with me a lot, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to read a little bit from uh, a thread that you posted a little while back. I guess it was in January. Um, basically, yeah, I'm not going to try and summarize it, but I'm going to read the first <laughs> the first little um, nugget that I wanted to share, and then I would love for you to just like expand mm-hmm. on it a little bit. Um, and we're going to do that a couple of times th- uh, throughout our session today. So okay. um, the first one, here it is. So dismantling diet culture is a nice entry point into social justice work for some people. And by some people, I mean the mostly privileged white women dominating this conversation. But just know that the work does not start or end there. Um, and of course my like notes are just disappearing right now, but can you, (laughs) can you just like expand on that and elaborate, um, on what you mean by that? Okay. So, so for, for the very privileged folks who are like leading this conversation, dominating the conversation and like jumping onto and riding the health at every size, you know, wave or this, you know, weight inclusive approach to, you know, nutrition and dietetics and all of that. Um, yeah, the folks who are riding this wave, this might, I feel like this might be, well, not, I feel like, I think Mm -hmm. for a lot of folks, this is their first time, um, really experiencing like systems of oppression, like besides of course, patriarchy, (laughs) um, but really like experiencing, you know, uh, the system of oppression, oppression, and this might be their first four way foray into, um, social justice work. Um, but there are a variety of issues that people who have been doing this work for a long time, you know, who have been doing social justice work, um, they've been fighting for ages. And like my critique or my question is like, where were these women, like mostly 
like very privileged, mm-hmm. thin, white, able-bodied, you know, cisgender yeah. white women. Um, and it kind of reminds me of like the pink pussy hat wearing white feminists of 2017. Like when people ask like, where were y'all when 53% of your cistern, you know, were voting for Trump? Like what were you doing beforehand? Um, and like, it feels the same way with this, this wave. And it's, it's likely that folks were probably complicit in and were perpetuating systems of oppression, um, like fat phobia and diet culture, you know, racism, white supremacy, like perpetuating this thin privilege. And really like when I look at the, if you look at the dietetics profession, you know, the image of a dietitian is a thin white, you know, affluent, it's not affluent, at least financially secure, you know, Mm -hmm. white woman. Yeah. And, and if you look at the way that dietetics has been like doled out, you know, like we, we were doling out, well, I'm saying we as a dietitian, yeah. but yeah, as dietitians, we dole out very fat phobic weight centric advice for ages that caused a lot of harm. And then if you're thinking about like white supremacy and thin privilege like that, like these systems have caused harm. And so now it seems like some people are transitioning away from that without, um, and like, I'm talking about like white women, like as a group, maybe it's not you individually, Kirsten, you know, (laughs) but like as a group, um, you know, have caused this harm and are now transitioning to haze based approaches and like jumping into this social justice work without acknowledging the harm that has, that they have caused, which I think, um, yeah, it's really, it's really problematic. But then, they're also dominating the conversation and yeah. probably mo- like having the most lucrative careers. Like, so you're having a lucrative career in dietetics beforehand doing a weight centric model. And then now still probably have more lucrative career, like as the forefront of Hayes. And so yeah. also still like still perpetuating like white supremacy and then privilege. Uh, and like my whole thing is like, you don't fight white supremacy with more white supremacy you don't fight thin yeah. privilege with more thin privilege you know yeah um, I don't know if the word is like ironic but that's what comes to my mind like and I had a conversation with um Kimmy Singh uh not mm-hmm. too long ago on the podcast and you know we she was talking about and we were discussing like exactly what you're saying that like you know these I shouldn't say it as if I'm not in this category but thin <laughs> white women are dominating the conversation around health at every size um, mm-hmm. where it, which it, it makes no sense, right? How are we the best people to talk about weight stigma or the experience of fat oppression? Right. Right. It's like the face of this movement should be fat people, right? people, right. people, in, people in larger bodies, uh, people of, you know, who have other marginalized identities, mm-hmm. black people, yeah. indigenous people, other people of color. Um, yeah, should really be at the forefront because we are affected the most, you know, yeah. by these systems of oppression. So this leads me to another one of your, um, yeah, another piece of your, your thread. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm going to jump down in, in our questions here. But so you wrote marginalized and disadvantaged folks have been fighting diet culture and fat phobia and racism and white supremacy <laughs> And, 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 <laughs> since the first Africans were stolen from the continent and this land was colonized, our survival depends on it. Um, so I'd love for you to just, yeah, um, actually, let me, let me read something that I had written down to, to say here. So um, okay. I think many people don't realize, or, you know, many of these, you know, 
us belonging to this category of thinner white women who are um, more dominant in this conversation don't realize um, or don't pr properly respect the fact that this work has been going on for decades, like you said, by these more marginalized people or the most marginalized people. Um, so myself included. So how can you elaborate on this issue, I guess? Okay, so let me, let me think about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so of course, like we have been, folks have been fighting the good fight about a variety of issues, like all of these systems of, of oppression for a really long time. And I think like with this current, you know, wave, um, there is like this, there's ignorance around, um, you know, these other issues that contribute to, you know, diet culture. And there's something like you and I, you and I met at the wind um, yeah. conference and like in my presentation, I have, I shared this quote or something that I read by I think she was a RD to be a thin white woman mm -hmm. who was like, ugh, die culture is to blame for everything. And I like, when I first read that, I was like, it was like a needle on the record, like scratch pause. <laughs> like, I mean, of course that's not true. Um, like there are things that well, die culture, the foundation on which it stands is really anti-black racism and white supremacy. Um, I, you know, I highly recommend that folks read fearing the black body by Sabrina Strings, because she talks about that, like the racial origins of fat phobia, like this was a way to create this hierarchy of bodies and to place like white folks at the top. Um, and without anti-black racism and white supremacy, there would be, you know, no diet culture and like fat phobia. And like, even underneath that, underneath like, you know, capital, I mean, anti-black racism and white supremacy, you have to think about patriarchy white patriarchy and colonization like those are like the foundations and like if you're doing this diet culture work you really have to like look at the root and be addressing the root and like fighting as hard going as hard as hard in the paint <laughs> for those issues not just you know diet culture because all those other like anti-black racism is i mean extremely harmful <laughs> to black folks you know and colonization has like changed the face of the world the fact that you and i are speaking english right here in america like this is this is colonization you know yeah. and has like changed the trajectory of like the global south you know it's yeah it just changed it, it has impacted everything uh, and so we really have to when you're doing this diet culture anti-diet culture work mm -hmm. you really have to be addressing those other those other issues it's so interesting um, just hearing you chat about this and, and thinking about all the layers that happen and, you know, kind of calling people who are more privileged and are doing this health at every size, anti-diet culture work um, to kind of peel back those layers and go deeper. Because I think about, you know, the fact that in my experience, like um, I never would have even been, I mean, I never would have even, peeled back the layer and started looking at diet culture if I hadn't struggled, you know, with food and had disordered eating myself, which led me into the, you know, the path of studying nutrition so that I could like, I don't know, so that I could maybe quote unquote fix people's bodies or body size and, um, you know, help people with their kind of perfect their eating, um, mm. which, so it's, it's ironic. And then I, that, path and since i struggled and then it happened to you know fall upon learning about health at every size it opened my eyes to diet culture and then 
you know, I've continued to kind of learn since then, but I'm just thinking about all the people who, I guess what they, the way of putting it is I would have been completely ignorant to it if I hadn't kind of stumbled, stumbled into this path. And now I'm finding out every day how <laughs> more and more <laughs> reasons why I'm ignorant. I don't know how else to put that, but, um, so it's a lot, I think it can, it can feel overwhelming for people. But at the same time, like if we're only doing the, it, it sounds like if we're only doing the work around health at every size, diet culture, and we're not going to the deeper levels, it's a disservice and it's kind of missing the mark. Right. 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 And it's also like a privilege to yeah. kind of be ignorant to it. Like you, like yeah. not like if you've never experienced like poverty or racism or, you know, transphobia or like if you've never experienced these like systems of oppression like there, there's a privilege in that that you get to like kind of like gradually like learn about it or kind of yeah or you can go a lot like a long time in your life without having to like even consider these things there's like there's definitely a privilege yeah. privilege there but some people like I like I was mentioning in that tweet it's like our survival has depended on or like we there's no choice like I can never change my skin color you know or um, if I'm living in a larger body, like there's just things that I, like I am not, I don't have the privilege to be ignorant to because it like so deeply impacts my life. Yeah. 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 And even the way I'm talking about, like, you know, it can feel overwhelming for people. It's exactly like what you're saying. Like, it's like, it's a privilege to, <laughs> it's a privilege to be able to say, well, I feel overwhelmed by this. I'm going to put this to the side for a second. Right. Whereas many people who are marginalized cannot make that choice. So I feel like that's, thank you so much for for bringing that up. Um, Okay. I'm going to ask you another question kind of related to this. And then I want to ask you a little bit about something else. Um, So what can, so all of this being said, what can, you know, the more privileged white women um, who are dominating this conversation around health at every size and anti-diet culture um, do to, well, what can they do in general? So I'm going to leave it there, but also to support, what would you kind of recommend for supporting more more marginalized folks? Right. So one of the first things I always say is listen to black women (laughs) and then pay black women. Um, But but underneath that is really, you want to center marginalized voices, center and then uplift those voices um, instead of like not speaking for marginalized mm-hmm. folks, but like you, if you have a large platform, you know, center those voices and uplift them. Um, but another thing that is particularly for, you know, dietetics professions, it, professionals, it's in our code of ethics to, you know, to be social advocates. Um, and I can, I can, I can read it, but no, but it's in our code of ethics. Mm-hmm. Like we have this social responsibility um, to, you know, think about the, the issues that affect our, our clients, the, the communities we work with, we have to be thinking about their well-being and work to reduce health disparities and protect like human, human rights. So that is, that's social justice work. It's like built into our code of ethics. I don't know if we always practice that way, but it is, it is in there. And so, like within that like work i think especially for white clinicians i think it's not enough to just be like not racist mm-hmm. you have to like thinking of how you know racism is the foundation of you know diet culture and fat phobia and all of that like we have to be anti-racist and anti-racism mm-hmm. is about taking action it's about 
like it's consistent action to educate, you know, educate your white family members and your friends about these issues and help change their minds, you know, like it's exhausting to do this work, like to explain racism as a person of color. It's exhausting and it's exhausting while you're experiencing it and then having to teach and educate. So like use your privilege in that area, you know, but then so yeah, you have to be actively anti-racist to change like policies um, and you know, all of that. So it's about taking action, but also you want to like use your privilege in service to others. I mean, like I think about this, like when people who are, who have different privileges, mm-hmm. it's like, you're never, if you have white privilege, it's like, you're never going to, you know, change the color of your, <laughs> you can't right. change the color of your skin. I can't stop being black. You can't stop being, you know, white. Right. So it's not a matter of like, you know, like you, you don't have to change like who you are, but if you do have this, you know, privilege, you have to use mm-hmm. it in service to others. And I think particularly for, you know, white clinicians who are white folks who are doing this, you know, anti-diet culture work, you have to be as vocal when it comes to like Black Lives Matter. Like, are you as vocal, you know, are you as vocal with fighting for immigration rights, fighting for LGBTQ plus rights, um, fighting for universal health care? Like, that's a, a, you know, a big one. I know a lot of like dietitians, particularly dietitians in private practice, like don't take health insurance and like services are really inaccessible to folks. So like fighting for universal health care is like a huge thing that we can do to help marginalized folks get the care that they need. Like, especially like, you know, at the time of this recording, you know, the coronavirus stuff is happening. And like, this is like, it's like, it just shows us how glaring, like it's, it's glaring how, messed up our system is and there's like so much work that we have to do when it comes to that but outside of so universal health care that's also like fighting for universal basic income like it and also like supplemental nutrition assistance like maybe snap for all the supplemental nutrition assistance program like it's so much easier to um to eat intuitively (laughs) um to do like it's so much easier to do this work when you have enough food to eat like when you have enough resources for food um and they're like there's so many other things you could be fighting for like doing urban and suburban rural planning uh i know that urban planning we talk a lot about like cities and stuff but there are a lot of poor folks who you know live in rural areas or even suburban areas like i live in new jersey and i used to do like this um i facilitated a diabetes nutrition education program for for african americans mm-hmm. um and there were some folks like they were they're living in the suburbs but they rely were relying on food pantries to make sure they had enough food and they would like walk to the hospital like they didn't have a car in a place where it's so hard to not have a car you know so there're like so many different things that we could be doing like working on public transportation education like just pick something i tell people like yeah. pick something and be just as equally vocal <laughs> as you are about like anti diet culture that's work, you know so helpful like i'm mm-hmm. so glad that you shared each and every one of those things and also that you shared like that idea of like just be equally vocal about like one of these things or a couple whatever yeah. like um mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I, yeah, you're just making me think a lot over here, and I really appreciate that. Um, So thank you for sharing all of that. The last thing I wanted to hear you just speak on a little bit was uh, one of the other things you talked about in your post was um, basically that, you know, health at every size, intuitive eating are not just applicable for eating disorders. And if if, if nothing else, I kind of just want to call this out a little bit and and have you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit on that, because it certainly... Um, often gets coupled with that. 
Right. Um, and I think, I think this kind of goes back to some of the things we were talking about earlier, but like the, if you think of the image of a person with an eating disorder, it's once again, you know, a thin affluent white woman or an adolescent. Um, and so I currently work sometimes <laughs> I work at an eating disorder program. And like, that is the population that like we, you know, primarily serve, like there really aren't any people of color, like that program in particular does like they don't take like Medicaid or um, yeah, it's just inaccessible. The treatment is inaccessible to a lot of people, which is problematic like in and of itself. But when we only like when we come only from that perspective, like we're leaving out all these other folks, you know, or like people who don't necessarily have, you know, eating disorders. Um, and so, and I even think about like, this, you know, the eating disorder program, like the treatment is like not culturally, you know, relevant, which is another thing, but I kind of digress on that. But um, so like, I want to say that like people of color, black people, like we do get eating disorders, but a lot of us, I feel like, think that like, think that we have, like even we have other fish to fry or like sometimes even bigger fish to fry. And so it's just been like my experience, like when I, you know, working out in the community and I tend, I have worked primarily with adults. Um, and it seems like most of the people who I worked with, they were more concerned with, you know, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, kidney disease. And so I, I was able to use, I consider myself a health at every size um, clinician. Like I got into intuitive eating. Like I didn't read that book until last year, but like <laughs> I, I've used the, the health at every size framework for going on a decade, almost a decade. And like I use that framework to help work with my clients around these other like chronic illnesses and it's definitely possible. And so I think it's really important that we like broaden the conversation. So other folks, like, so folks who are dealing with these other issues, like they feel seen and like, they feel like, you know, they're getting the support that they, they need. So it's like, we just need to broaden the messaging, um, broaden the messaging. Cause then, the, yeah, that just would support a way more, way more people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting, actually, now that I'm thinking of this, and maybe what you just said totally touches on this anyway, but it's like, if the main people who are, if, if the way that we're kind of talking about or the messaging around health at every size intuitive eating is in relation to eating disorders, and the people who are getting diagnosed with eating disorders are of these thin, white, affluent, like mm-hmm. adolescent girls, like it's like, the people who this message should be most applicable to and like, you know, most, you know, um, yeah. Or I, I it's guess excluded. They're excluded. Thank it's you. like, the, yeah. it's exclusionary. I, I think I put in my tweet that it's exclusionary AF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it excludes a whole lot of people, which yeah. is like really like it's harmful in a way, you know, and, it, and I think it perpetuates harm in like some of these systems of oppression, like we talked about, you know, yeah. earlier. Oh, Thank you for everything that you've like crammed into this like 20 minute conversation or whatever. It's been amazing. Can you please share with everyone listening resources that you have resources that you recommend to expand on any of this knowledge, anything like that? Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, of course, Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings is a a must read for everyone. Um, Also, of course, The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. I think it's always important to um, read books by Black folks. (laughs) So those are two that I always recommend. There's uh, another book that just came out this year, Hood Feminism, mm-hmm. Notes from the Women That a Movement Forgot by Mickey Kendall, that I think is a good, um, it helps look at like feminism, like 
yeah, it helped, like, it addresses the issues that I kind of talked about in the beginning. Um, yeah, so that's definitely a good, uh, another good option. How to Be an Anti-Racist is another good book. Uh, White Fragility, mm-hmm. uh, Me and White Supremacy. There's several, like, there's so many books out there, so, <laughs> so many books out there that I definitely suggest folks read who are doing this anti-diet culture work that I think will enrich, enrich, is that the right word? Enrich, just enrich, (laughs) or broaden the, broaden your scope, enrich the conversation. So I definitely recommend, you know, those books. Awesome. And where can people find you? Um, So you can find me pretty much across the board at Veronica Garnett, uh, like on social media. And my website is veronicagarnett.com. You can also find me, like I'm doing some other I have some other projects that I'm working on, but Reclaiming Our Plate is a platform that I started. It's a collective of Black Hazeline dietitians. And like we, we noticed that there was, you know, the messaging was missing the mark with our community and we felt that there was a need there. So we've created, we just launched this week. Um, and so we've created this platform to particularly address the needs of Black folks uh, when it comes to you know, eating issues and health and wellness and like all of that. So reclaiming our plate, you can find that across the board, reclaiming our plate. And then also I, so I'm, I'm a culinarian in addition to being a dietitian. And so I'm working on a online cooking show where it's kind of like the chew where there's conversations and I'll have guests, but those conversations are going to focus on dismantling racism and fat phobia and diet culture and these other systems of oppression, but we'll be focusing on foods from the African diaspora. That's my culinary point of view, um, Uh the African diaspora. So yeah, so I'm working on that and that's called Diasporatical Kitchen, across the board, Diasporatical Kitchen. So I'm like in the works for that. So you won't see much on on social media, like I haven't posted anything, yeah. but there's stuff and I'm working on it and I'm excited to bring all of those things like to fruition and like to the people, to the community. So I'm excited about that. That's so exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. Can't wait to see more of that. Uh, Thank you for all the resources you shared. Um, Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. All right, guys, that's a wrap on this episode of Intuitive Bites. If you want to hear more from Veronica, go check her out on her website, veronicagarnett.com, and make sure to follow her on Instagram at veronicagarnett. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you're interested in signing up for my Patreon and getting that extra content. Um, The first one that I'm going to share with the Patreons um, will be, see, I still, I don't think I'm saying that right. (laughs) With the patrons? I don't know. Uh, The first one is going to be how to start your anti-diet journey. So if you're newer um, to this or just feel like that could be helpful to you, um, I highly recommend getting in on that and helping me out a bit in the process. Um, It is only $3 a month. Yeah, so you can sign up for that if you just go to my Instagram and click the link in my bio. It'll be one of the first links. Um, And then if you're looking for more support, I offer one-on-one virtual sessions. Um, So check that out if that seems like it would be helpful to you. And um, yeah, and you're able to do that right now. All right, guys, stay safe, and I will talk to you really soon.